Lord, I want to share some uh, great truths with you today. Again, I want to say thank you, though, for all of your work. Going back to October, we spent some time praying as a church for uh, this last week, Christmas Compassion, and then you gave money and you gave time and energy and resources, and you did so much to show love in our community. And I, I just want to say thank you. Um, we don't know all of uh, what will come of that? We start hearing some thank yous here and there, and we start hearing some prayer requests. And as as we were praying for people, we heard uh, people pouring out their hearts. And but we just have no idea how God is going to use all that. Uh, but He is, and I, I just want to say thank you for everything that you did to be a part of that. Today is our third week of Advent. Our theme is this idea that there is nothing impossible with God. And so we're going to look at this again today. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We're going to stay in this chapter here a little bit. Page 856, if you want to use that Bible sitting in front of you. We're in this season called Advent. The word Advent literally means coming. Something is coming. And so churches around the world are remembering that Jesus is coming. And we'll celebrate that Christmas Eve night here while we sing and and celebrate that. And then we'll celebrate that on the 25th. We also, as we look back and remember that Jesus came as a baby, we also look ahead and remember that he is coming again as a king And I was just trying to put myself in that story today. Jesus is coming again as the risen king, the eternal king. I thought, what a glorious day that will be when he comes back and he takes us home and he says, let's live together as family. And so I'm looking forward to that day. Looking forward to that day. And so this season, it's a time for us to look back and remember, God, you have been faithful. God, you have been faithful. It's a time for us to look back. God, you have been faithful. And it's certainly a time for us to look forward and remember and believe that he is able. He's able to do things that we would consider impossible. That's the Christmas story that God, for him, nothing is impossible. And so today I want to spend a a little time looking back, remembering he's faithful. Spend some time looking forward again, believing that he is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine of him. This is our God. And I hope that that thought blows you away that he is able. Well, last week in Luke chapter 1, we looked at Mary's song. If you're here with us, we looked at Mary's song. And and Mary gets this amazing news from the angel, you remember? And the, the angel says, you, Mary, are going to give birth to the Son of God. Imagine that news. You, without the help of a man, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. And she's just blown away by that news. She's told that her relative Elizabeth, who's been barren, is going to have a baby as well. And she's like, this is just too much news. This is impossible, isn't it? And the angel says, with God, Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. And so Mary went and visited Elizabeth. She's like, i got to see this for myself. Is Elizabeth really pregnant? And Elizabeth says she is, and this baby's forming inside of her. And, and Mary just kind of, whoa, this is too good to be true. And she starts singing this song we looked at last week. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Because he noticed me. He's pouring out grace to the humble. He's been magnificent to me. And she's just kind of gushing with all of God's goodness. 
I hope there are times in your life, especially this season, where you get to reflect and slow down and you let your soul and your spirit rejoice in God and just say, oh, he has been so good to me, even as we sang this morning. Well, three months later, after she stayed with Elizabeth for three months, she went back up to Nazareth uh, to be with Joseph, and, and Elizabeth eventually gives birth to a baby boy. And if you remember the story, it's there in Luke chapter 1 if you want to read this later. But uh, Elizabeth, as she's pregnant with this baby, her husband Zechariah, who is the priest, because he wouldn't believe that God was going to do the impossible, the angel says, well, Zechariah, you're just not going to get to talk for nine months. And so somehow his mouth, his tongue is tied so that he can't speak for nine months. The baby is born, and they're starting to ask, what are we going to name the baby? And Zechariah can't say anything. God has kind of shut his mouth this way. And so uh, that's a great problem. What are we going to name the baby? And the, the dad can't say anything. He doesn't get his say. Is the son going to be named Zechariah after his dad? Well, I started thinking about baby names this week, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a little research on this. I I went to Ancestry.com and found some funny names. I'm going to share some of these with you. I I hope you find some humor in this. I looked at some names. These are real names that have been given by families. The Moore family, the Moore family named their kid recently Gamble. Okay, I don't know why. The Love family recently named their kid Doctor. All right. So imagine some kid, I'm Dr. Love. The Cook family, I just don't get this one. I just thought I'd put it. The Cook family named their kid Cook. So I was like, come on, family. And then this one, I had to share this one. The Ware family, they did not name their kid Under, though that would have been pretty funny. But they, the Ware family did name their kid Dinner. Why? Why would you do that to a kid? I was sharing that with my daughter. She's like, oh, thank you, Dad. Madison is a much better name than any of those. But anyway, Zechariah, he, he's getting ready. He's like, what are we going to name our kid? And so he writes it on a piece of paper. He's like, I can't speak. But his name is not going to be Zechariah. His name is going to be John. And this John becomes John the Baptist. He is the one who... 30 years later would be the one saying, this, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He's the one that is going to point people to Jesus. And so Zechariah is able on a piece of paper to say his name is to be John. Well, after he does this, his tongue is loosened and Zechariah gets to speak for the first time in nine months. And what Zechariah does is he just starts gushing praises of God. And in our Bible, we call this Zechariah's song, Zechariah's song. And I'm going to look at that here in just a moment with you in Luke chapter 1. I was trying to put myself in Zechariah's shoes for nine months. He He doesn't get to talk. He's probably writing quite a bit. He's probably writing messages to his wife. He's probably journaling some things to God, praying in his spirit, but he can't verbalize anything. I thought, what would that be like to not be able to talk for nine months? Thoughts are just going crazy. My wife, who has been barren, is going to have a son And he is going to be the one who's going to be the prophet for the Messiah. 
I mean, our nation, Israel, for generations has been waiting for the Messiah. And my son's going to be the prophet to the Messiah? Wow! And he doesn't even get to verbalize any of this. I mean, there's something about verbalizing and singing and shouting, and, and you at least let it out. Zechariah doesn't get to, and finally, when his tongue is loosened, he shares some amazing things. I just want to make a confession to you, if I could, real quickly. As I was reading Zechariah's song, I said to myself, oh, this is good. This is going to be good for you. Uh, This is going to preach. This is just glorifying God, praising God. I can't wait for you as you get to hear about all this. And it was as if, as I was saying this, the Lord said, Scott, this is good for you. This is good for your soul to hear Zechariah's words. And it wasn't until that point that I started embracing these words because these words first were just uh, teaching tools for you to glorify the Lord. But then all of a sudden, the Lord said, Scott, I want you to embrace these words because you need to hear these words. You need to let them sink into your soul. And so what happens through the Holy Spirit, Zechariah tells this story of God and he sees how God is working right then and there and how God has been working. He looks back at this faithful God and he looks ahead believing, God, you're still able to do some amazing things. Somehow through my son as he gets older, he's going to point people to the Messiah. And Zechariah is just gushing verbally. You see, God was up to something, and Zechariah knows this. It's not just the birth of a baby that's going to get named John. It's not just a little baby boy named Jesus that happens. But God is about to do the impossible. Zechariah gets a sense of this, saying, God, I look back, and you've been this faithful God, and I look forward, and I believe that you are able to do amazing things. And so let's look for a bit at Zechariah's song. I want to draw out four truths that I found in this. Truths that I need for my heart. And I believe there will be truths too that you'll say, you know what, i got to put that deep into my heart. I need that myself. Let's start at verse 68. Verse 68. These are the first things that Zechariah says after his tongue is loosened. Here's what he says. He says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. The word here is, I'm eulogizing him. I'm saying great things about him. It's this idea of speaking well of something, someone. Some of your Bibles might even say praise. But I, I've got to just brag on God. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He is praiseworthy. And look what he says. Let me read a couple of verses. For he has visited and redeemed his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Let me just pause right there and and grab a truth out of this as I was Studying this, this word visited up there, redeemed, these words that we should be saved. It implies in all these things that God is watching over his people. He is intent over his people. Like a good shepherd, he's watching over them. 
If we were to make this practical for us today, I, I would say it this way, that God, I want you to know, is watching over you. That God has a watchful eye over you. He's the good shepherd. He sees you as a sheep. He, he sees the trouble around you. He knows what's going on this next week. He's watching over you. He's watching over you. He's caring for you in all of this. And as Zechariah says this, he's visited us. He's redeemed us. He's raised up a Savior for us that we should be saved. He's saying, God is worthy to be praised. Amen? Your first service. You're not quite awake yet. God is worthy to be praised. Amen? I'll give you another opportunity to do that in a bit as well. You see, Zechariah knows God has been watching over us. He's been watching over his people, this nation. And the sending of Jesus, the sending of Jesus that was about to come was because God was watching over us. He saw our need of salvation of our souls. Zechariah is saying, there is something more going on than just the birth of this boy John from my wife and this birth of Mary's son. There's something greater than the birth of two boys. God is doing the impossible to save us. I want you to know that God is watching over you. I had to take that this week and just say, yep, he is. Uh, He's watching over me right now. I want you to keep that in mind. Verse 72, let's look at what Zechariah goes on to say. He says this about God. God to to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham. Just want to stop there and look at some of these words that Zechariah is saying because there's a second truth here and it has to do with God's character. He says this, that God is a God of promises. God is a God of remembering. God is a God of covenants. God is a God of oaths. Look at these words, to show mercy that he promised to our fathers. He's looking back and saying, yes, God is faithful. To remember a covenant that he made, an oath that he swore to our father Abraham. That was a long time back, Abraham. Thinking about us, and I thought if we make this practical to us, we could be saying, God is keeping his promises to you. God is keeping his promises to you. Promise to never leave you, promise never to forsake you, a promise that what he has started, he will finish. See, God is a God of promises, and he is keeping his promises to you. And Zechariah is saying, oh, for that he is to be praised. And I would say, yes, because God keeps his promises. He is worthy to be praised. Amen? You see, in a world of broken promises, a world of betrayal, you can know today that God is faithful to his promises. He gave his son as this long-expected Savior. I mean, they had been waiting. Lord, when are you bringing the Messiah? When are you bringing the Messiah? And he says, he's coming. I have not forgotten you. And that same God who said, I'm not forgetting you back then, is the same God who says, I'm not forgetting you right now. My promises I'm keeping for you. You see, he's returning 
with a great reward for those who are waiting patiently. And sometimes we say, God, when are you returning? When are you going to make all things right? I live in a world that is so broken. My body is broken. Relationships are broken. He says, I am keeping my promises. Hold on to that. You see, look back and know that I am faithful to keep promises and believe, looking forward, that I am able to keep all of my promises. I am coming for you. Verse 74, follow along. Let me read a couple more verses here. Verse 74, Zechariah says that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Let me just stop there for a moment. As I looked at that, I realized that God delivered us as part of his plan. God delivered us as part of his plan. And if we were making this practical to us, we can say this, that he has great purpose for you. Zechariah realizes that God has done all of this. He's been faithful to us and he's keeping his promises because he has a purpose for us. I want you to know that God has a purpose for every single one of you. He has a purpose for us. He says, I want you to be part of a new kingdom. I want you to be part of changing the world. Look at how he says this is going to happen. That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve. To serve, you see. This is our purpose, to serve the living God, to serve the one true God. He says, I have rescued you. I have redeemed you. I have done all this for the purpose of I'm going to allow you to serve the king of all kings. It's kind of what we got to do this week, wasn't it? But we're not done. He says, I have a purpose for you today. I have a purpose for you this week to serve, to serve the one true God. To be included in my family so that we could be about a work of changing the world. Verse 76. Let's finish this song by looking at these verses. Verse 76. And you, child, speaking of John, he's eight days old, looking into his eyes. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways Check this out in verse 77. You are going to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. As I looked at that, I said, God, what is Zechariah saying here? The fact that God would give us the knowledge, that he would give us the way of salvation, is certainly due to the fact that he is a merciful God. He says, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you salvation. I'm going to show you the way to have life. Why? Because I'm merciful. You see, I want you to know today that God has great compassion on you. God has great compassion on you. He says, because I have compassion on you, I'm going to show you a way. I'm going to show you a way that leads to life. And this way of compassion for him is a way uh, through forgiveness. He says, to forgive is the way I'm going to show my mercy. 
showing you this way, and I'm going to forgive your sins. Now, this is beautiful. As I was looking at this, I, I just needed to know this week, God has compassion for me. He knows when I hurt. He knows when I cry. He knows when I sin. And he says, I have come to wipe away all your sin." You see, this isn't a salvation by good works. God didn't say, you know what? I'm going to save you if you work really hard. If you give 120 food boxes every year, then I will save your people. That's not what he says. I I will save you through forgiveness, not by your good works. This salvation that we're talking about, it's not a salvation where we're trying to impress God. God, aren't you impressed? It's nearly December, and I've only missed church four times this year. Aren't you impressed? He says, I'm not saving you through what uh, through your works of trying to impress me, I'm saving you by forgiving you of your sins. You see, the salvation is not just being moral. The salvation is not being better than your neighbors, better than your co-workers, better than people who live somewhere else. It's a salvation based on God's forgiveness, His grace to us. That He would pour out a gift and say, I know you don't deserve this, but I am going to offer my son in exchange for you, his sinlessness for your sinfulness. I started thinking about that, and I thought, God, you have been so compassionate to me. Right now you are compassionate to forgive me of my sins and to care for me, and yet you had me in mind 2,000 years ago when your son was born, when he went to the cross on my behalf. You see, God was up to something, not just a baby being born named John and a baby being born named Jesus, but God was about to do something, to do the impossible, to save us. And as Zechariah reflected through the Holy Spirit, he couldn't help but spout the glories of God. This song that he spoke that we can embrace today was this, God, you are watching over me. I want you to know he's watching over you. God, you are keeping your promises to me. I want you to know he's keeping promises to you. God, you have great purpose for me. I want you to know he has great purpose for you. God, you have great compassion for me. I want you to know this. He has great compassion for you today. As I look at Zechariah's song and I just see him spouting this, I'm like, I can embrace this as my song as well. I thought of Mary's song, and I thought, I mean, she just couldn't help but say, God is so amazing, my soul magnifies. And Zechariah, after nine months of not speaking, he's just like, wow, God, you, you're watching over me in your compassion. I just can't help but shout all this out. And as I, as I was reflecting all the, on all of these songs and all this spouting, I thought, you know what, there's another song I want you to hear today, another story I want you to hear today, and I'm calling this one Rosie's Song. Would you write this down? I want you to hear a little bit of Rosie's Song. It's not in the Bible, but it's here with us today. I'm going to ask Rosie Wood to come up here. Would you welcome Rosie on the stage real quickly this morning? (laughs) Rosie has some uh, things to share, and... And as I heard this from her, I'm going to have you, you can sit right here and let me give you this microphone. Rosie was sitting over there this last week and she's hearing about Mary and Mary's just gushing with God's goodness. You took one of these connection cards and this is it and I've got your permission to read this, right? 
I want to read to you what Rosie wrote while she was over there last week. It's, there's concern, there's something that's heavy on her heart, and yet there's faith in this. And I want you to hear this. She wrote last week, getting stressed, waiting for the insurance to decide about my surgery. And then you said this, it's in God's hands. But I have certain dates it will fit into my time off. It was like, I'm trusting you, God, but I've got to, it's got to fit into my schedule. God knows what's best. I just wish he'd send me a postcard so I know what's happening. (laughs) I think we can all resonate with that. And you finished with God is in control. It's like, here's what's on my heart. Wish I'd get a postcard from him. But God is in control. You shared that last week. You put that in the joy box at the end of the service. Monday then, I saw you, and um, you had some news for me. Uh, it was kind of depressing news. Would you tell everybody what, uh, what was going on in your heart on Sunday and, and the news you shared with me last Monday morning? Well, I started a journey uh, in May, and I had told everyone involved at the hospital that, as Scott said, I have certain dates that I want this procedure to happen. I want this to happen during Christmas break because I've taken my vacation in January. I'll have three weeks to heal, and I just, it has to be the 23rd or the 30th. There's no other time I can do it. And so I called the insurance, and they said it was pending for January 30th to May 30th of 2015. So then I called the hospital, and I said, "Um, you haven't heard me. I have told you since May I need to have this on the 23rd or the 30th so I can have the time that I've set off. And um, the administrator said, well, we can move it up. I said, to the 23rd or the 30th? He goes, no, because the surgeons are not available. There's nothing we can do. But... I said, uh, the only other time I have off is uh, spring break, and uh, then I can only have two weeks. He said, okay, it's, it's set for March 19th. So, And you were a little discouraged with that news, to say the least, on Monday. I was very discouraged because it wasn't what I wanted. I had set in my mind and told them since May of this year that I wanted it during Christmas break. And I know that as you were sitting there last week, you're saying, God, you've been faithful. I believe you're able to do anything. I'll take whatever it happens, but this kind of stinks is where you were Monday morning. Uh, I saw you then on Tuesday. On Tuesday, you had even more news. Would you share what that news was that you shared with me on Tuesday? Well, um, Monday night, like Scott said, I was... Um, just full of all of these feelings, and I've turned things over to God many times before, but um, I don't think I've ever really left them with God. And so Monday I came to school, and at 10 o'clock I get a call, and it's the administrator from the hospital, and he says, "Uh, well, I just want you to know, and I said, what? He goes, "Uh, we've had a cancellation, and I said, okay, what does that mean? He says, well, um, you have your pre-op on Thursday, and Monday the 15th you have surgery. <laughs> and you were? I had absolutely 
no words. I, I just sat there and I wandered through the hall and I wandered into Scott's office and I was just awestruck. I, I felt so humble to, to feel God's presence directly connected to me and into my life that he would, through his plan, have it already scheduled better than I could have hoped for in the beginning. Yeah, you use these words, and they're in your notes here today. It's overwhelmingly humble, humbling, overwhelmingly humbling. Just a little bit, I, and you were bubbling. When you shared this Tuesday morning, I'm like, oh, this is like Mary and Zechariah just bubbling. And I was like, I got to have Rosie share some of this. Why was this overwhelmingly humbling to you, this news? Because I knew God had a plan from the very beginning, and... I knew that um, when I finally surrendered my will and let God um, work his miracles, that I was actually a part of a miracle, that I was directly connected to Jesus, and I can feel and still feel his spirit. And Scott says about bubbling, I'm bubbling inside because I'm afraid I'm going to fall apart if I bubble outside right now. Yeah, yeah. And you bubbled over and just praising God. And I just thought, this is, this is what we're reading about. These people just could not stop but praising God. And so I, I know it's kind of tough for you to do that publicly. And I know you've been doing that for a week. And even this morning, she's like, I just can't stop praising the Lord. And, and I love that you got to the end of your rope. You trusted God. I know that it's not feasible, they say. It's impossible. It's impossible. Impossible that it's going to happen this December. And yet you said, I will trust you, Lord. And with that note, I, I just want to share a couple of thoughts with you, because as I heard Rosie's story, I thought, you know what, here's really what God wants to do, and I believe God was doing this to Mary, he's doing this to Zechariah, and he wants to do this with each of us, that God wants to reveal himself and his goodness to you. This is what he wants to do. He wants you, he wants you to experience him. He wants you to experience his goodness. And often it comes when we get to the end of our rope and we say, I, I will trust you completely. And so here's my question for you. And, and, and Rosie was doing this Sunday before I'm writing this out. But here's my question for all of us. And I know that it will continue to happen for each of us. Will you trust him? Will you look to him is the question. Will you look to this God? Will you trust this God that revealed himself to Mary? Will you trust yourself and to this God who revealed himself to Zechariah, even to Rosie recently? And I know that some of you have similar stories of what God has done. Will you trust him? Will you look to him? Will you look back and say, God, you have been faithful. That's what this Christmas story is all about, that you did provide the Messiah. And will you look forward believing that he's able to even change something where the doctor said, nope, impossible, you've got to wait till March. Will you believe and trust in him, the one who is able? So I want you to think of one last song then. We've looked at Mary's song and Zechariah's song. We've heard Rosie's song. I want you to consider your song. My song. Because I'd like, to, I'd like you to consider today, where is your heart in this? You see, each of us, we're in this thing called life, and it's really just a waiting room. We're waiting for Jesus to come, aren't we? 
And sometimes we get distracted with so many things in life, but we are in a waiting room. And sometimes it's waiting for a surgery or waiting for whatever it might be. But in this waiting room, we are called to look back and believe and know that God is faithful and to look forward still and believe that He is able to do the impossible. So what's your song right now? Is it a joyful praise today? Maybe yours is a joyful praise. Maybe it's like Rosie's. I hope you just to ask her more of her story because she will just gush about how God has been so good to her. Maybe your song today is that. But I understand that maybe your song isn't because last week you weren't quite gushing. You had faith, but you had great concern. And maybe your song today is even a, a little bit of a lament mixed with faith. Saying, God, I, I'm hurting, but I look back, know that you're faithful. I look forward and I believe that you're able. What is your song We're going to sing a song in a moment. In essence, it says this, Jesus, when will you make things right? When? Because we're in a waiting room. Jesus, when will you release us from our sins? When will you release us from our fears? Jesus, you are our strength. You are our comfort. You are the hope of the world. Jesus, you were born to deliver us. To help us to look back and know that you're faithful. Help us to look forward and believe that you are able. I'd like you to consider your song today. Maybe it's not quite where Mary and Zechariah and Rosie are. But God says, if you look to me, I've got moments like that. That I want you to, I want to reveal myself to you. I want to show you my goodness that your heart would sing to me. In the meantime, let's keep looking to him, knowing that he is faithful, believing that he is able in all things. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you show us these pictures of you doing the impossible in Mary's life and in Zechariah's life and even right here in our life. The doctors told Rosie last week, impossible. Until March. Until the next day when you orchestrated this and they said, actually, Monday the 15th. (laughs) And I thank you, God, that in Rosie's waiting, she had faith to turn it over to you. To share her concern, but to trust you. And even tomorrow as she goes in for surgery, I ask that you help her to trust you completely with this. God, we thank you that you are a God who watches over us. You are a God who has compassion for us. You are a God who has purpose for us. You are a God who keeps your promise. I pray for my sake and for this church family that you would help us to have eyes of faith, that we would look back and say, yes, you are faithful. And we believe as we look forward, knowing that you are able. Continue to grow our faith as we wait for you. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.